The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Our Old Testament lesson has been a reading from the book of Genesis since June 19th. And this is the very last Sunday we read from Genesis. The story of Joseph begins in chapter 37. And we have barely scratched the surface. If you find time to read the entire story, it would be very much worthwhile. It's a marvelous story with unbelievable ups and downs in family relationships and more. The biblical readers have done an amazing job of setting the stage for the next of God's historical acts. The long story of Joseph tells about bringing the tribes of the old days from Palestine down into Egypt. Soon the exodus will begin, and next Sunday our Old Testament reading will come from the book of Exodus. Biblical scholars refer to the story of Joseph as a literary masterpiece. It tells the story of a family which almost certainly draws us into the plot. We all have family experiences, and many of those experiences have included sibling rivalry. Whatever happened to Joseph was an event of a significant nature. Nothing subtle. Kidnapping, betrayal, 
atrocities. It's believed that this entire story was composed from early writings during the time of Solomon. There are archaeological and other findings which support this story. The special robe mentioned in chapter 37 was the type worn by the early Semites, pictured on an 18th century before Christ's tomb in Israel. The relations of the brothers are similar to tribal rivalries described in the remnants of letters from the same time period. And the discovery of a statue in the city of Alalak in Syria of a king who ruled about 1400 BC provides the most remarkable similarity of all. On the statue are inscribed many of the themes in common with the Joseph story. The biblical writers seem to have borrowed a number of well-known topics included them and included them to show how God used Joseph to preserve life and fulfill God's divine plan. Joseph seemed to have recognized that he was experiencing the culmination of God's activity, and he expressed a central message when he said to his brothers in verses 7 and 8 of today's reading, God sent me before you to preserve a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. The story began with jealousy and betrayal, and in today's reading comes to a climax with this report of reconciliation and preservation. Relationships have been restored, even when it seemed impossible. The conclusion of the Joseph story is a wonderful story of reconciliation. In verse 5, Joseph called his brothers close to him and told them not to be distressed or angry with themselves because of what they did to him. Joseph wanted them to know that God is responsible for bringing them together. Personal revenge for this shameful treatment is not a consideration. He realized that he has truly been blessed by God. God has found a way to bring good from evil in the midst and life, in the midst of the life and trials of Joseph. Shalom has returned to his shattered family. Now there's a major change in the tone of the scripture as we get to the gospel message. We go from the peaceful setting of Joseph and his brother embracing to that of a difficult conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus has not given up on crowds. They have seen him feed the thousands and heard him walk and heard about him walking on water. But now they are asking him about what is clean and unclean. The first verse of this chapter involves the Pharisees and scribes coming to Jesus with complaints and accusations and asking, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? By the tradition of the elders, they meant the orally transmitted commentary on on the law, which grew generation by generation and was championed by the Pharisees. The commentary included those concerns not addressed in the Ten Commandments. Jesus and his disciples did not always wash their hands before eating, as prescribed by the Pharisees, 
And this became a concern of the people, and they wanted answers. Jesus addressed the people and began to speak of the prophetic distinction between lips and heart. As an author of the New Interpreter's Bible wrote, Jesus focused on the defiling power of human traditions that ignore God's will and on the hypocrisy of pious noises made by lips when hearts are distant from God. We're not told if the people got the message and understood, and the scene shifts abruptly in our reading. Jesus had left the Sea of Galilee and traveled toward the northwest. He's on the Mediterranean coast about 30 miles from Jerusalem. There we're told that Jesus came face to face with a Canaanite woman, a pagan, and therefore unclean. I read that Matthew's use of the term Canaanite seems strange, since by the time of Jesus, people were no longer called Canaanites, and Canaan no longer appeared on the map. Matthew seems to use the term to emphasize that the woman belongs to the others, and as such, she is part of the enemy people. Yet she obviously knows who Jesus is, and she begs him to heal her daughter, who she believes is tormented by a demon. She's desperate and comes out shouting. Some scholars claim that the only women who spoke to men in public were prostitutes. Whatever, the disciples want nothing to do with her, and they ask him to send her away. But she wasn't going anywhere. She may not have been Jewish, but she called out to Jesus in language of the Jewish prayer, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. But Jesus didn't act as we might have expected him to act. In fact, surprisingly, he didn't act. He just told her that he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The desperate mother, however, did not retreat. She was desperate, and she did not leave, even after his insulting remark about the children's food and throwing it to the dogs. But the mother of this child is feisty and determined. The life of her daughter is at stake. In a statement remarkable for its humility and faith, the woman plays along with Jesus' harsh harsh image and simply urges him to take it one step further. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Steadfast in her commitment to the fact that this Jesus can in some way help her child, she is unwavering. And what did Jesus do? Whatever it was that this Gentile woman brought to the encounter, Jesus declared it to be faith, and her daughter was healed instantly. We may shake our heads when we hear this text. Could it be that this unnamed Canaanite woman stirred something in the Son of God? It seems that Jesus was converted that day to a larger vision of the community of God. If Jesus could be changed, can we also be changed? Every generation sees some people as other and puts them under the table. We can each make a list of people we see as other, different culture, different religion, different whatever. 
Muslims have become Canaanites to many in our country. They may be the other that we talk about. But if we are honest, we probably each have our own unique list of others. Maybe we individually need to be willing to learn as Jesus did. Maybe we can each catch a larger vision of the community of God. One of the commentators that I read stated that this story invites us to place ourselves in the place of the other, to struggle not only with God, but also with our own perceptions of the other. A question we can each ask ourselves is, what boundary do I need to look beyond? The truth is that as disciples of Jesus, we live in the same paradox of humility and audacity as this unnamed woman, boldly coming to Jesus and humbly acknowledging our need of healing. The first verse of the hymn we will now sing sums our situation up, I think. O Christ the healer, we have come to pray for health, to plead for, plead for friends. How can we fail to be restored when reached by love that never ends? Amen. <laughs> 